재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Tomorrow marks the 26th anniversary of the establishment of TBS and to celebrate this special day we have invited a very special guest the internationally best-selling author of the critically acclaimed novels including The Big Picture, The Pursuit of Happiness and The Moment Douglas Kennedy is joining us on the line. Sir, thank you so much for joining us. A great pleasure, and thank you very much. First question is, uh, since when did you want to become a writer, and what motivated you to become a writer? When I was around eight years old in New York, I was a a Manhattan kid, grew up right on the island. Um, My mother and I went to a supermarket, and uh, I got lost in the supermarket. And basically, I... I couldn't find me for about a half an hour. And I was very, very happy being on my own and not being, uh, kind of, should we say, uh, covered by her. And I went and wrote a short story for my school teacher. Uh, at the time, I was in what we call third grade over here, Mrs. Slack. And she read it and she said to me, Douglas, this is very accomplished. You're going to be a writer someday if you want. That was the first time I thought I would uh, like to you know, do this. Uh, I read all through school, all through university. I read privately. Reading was my escape. The first time I ever really um, had the experience of being independent was the same year when I was about eight, and I asked my father if I could go to the library by myself, which was about, about four blocks from where we were living, four and a half blocks. And I remember just the pleasure of being around books um, and also then going to, oh, in those days, pharmacies used to have a lunch counter and going in with my books and ordering a Coca-Cola and drinking it and, and, and reading for a while. Um, I still do that in cafes, especially um, in Paris, but everywhere. Uh, and I, I always have a laptop now with me. I think you know, that was sort of the first time I really thought about becoming a writer, but it, it evolved much more so in my early 20s when uh, I really decided, yes, I want to do this. Um, and as I've often told young writers, you need about 20 years to find your way and find your voice. Um, and even when you have arrived and have become successful, you're still learning. And, and I think in writing, you never arrive. You're always still trying to kind of up your game and do better the next time. And a lot of people would be curious as to where you got your inspiration for your novels. Do you usually decide how the story ends before writing them? I get inspired by life very often. Um, I remember with The Big Picture, which is probably my most famous book in Korea, I went up to visit a friend who was living in the suburban uh, parts of Connecticut about... 45 minutes from New York City, and um, we used to spend summers in this town, and I hated it because it's always struck me as very neutral, very much outside of the city, uh, sterile. And I saw a man who was about my age, which would have been around 38 at the time, 39, getting off a train in a suit, a Burberry trench coat, a briefcase, looking very tired, and carrying a big, big, big uh, shopping bag from a camera shop, a very famous camera shop in Manhattan called Willoughby's. That interested me immediately. I started inventing in my head this idea of, let's say, a man who had been what 
my father had always tried to make me, which was a lawyer, and who basically um, has ended up in the suburban town, but he's always wanted to be a photographer. So just seeing that one image of the man uh, in the suit with all that expensive camera gear he was bringing home got me thinking, um, there's an idea. This is how it kind of works with me. I see something, or I overhear something, or I even just look at someone, or there's an image, and things fall into place. Um, it, it takes a while to sort of get to uh, that point, and I have to think a lot more about it, because when I start a novel, it's two years of my life, so I've got to make sure that I'm absolutely happy with it, uh, and I can, I can live with it, and there's a lot I can do with it. Um, it's, it's, it's like a romance, uh, a novel. You, you have to kind of fall in love with the subject, and um, you know, even as complicated and messy as it is, you have to want to be able to spend time with it, and then basically uh, you finish it and you move on to the next one. Well, here in Korea, your book, The Big Picture, stayed on top of the bestseller chart for 170 weeks and gained wide acclaim as well as popularity. Why do you think the book has translated so well to our Korean readership? I think, I mean, I've been to Korea now twice and met a lot of my fans, and it's been very interesting. I, I think why it spoke to so many people is the reason it spoke to so many people everywhere it deals with something very kind of basic, which is being talked into a life you don't want and succumbing to parental pressure, especially paternal pressure to do the right thing, follow this career, follow this path, and yet knowing deep down that this is not the right one for you. I think that's one of the reasons why it spoke to so many people. I, I think the other thing about the novel as well um, is it's a very interesting novel about identity and how you, you you can actually you build an identity without thinking about it and maybe that identity is not the right one for you and you want to change it um, but I, I think you know it's, it's also a novel about the pressures of conformity and I think that has spoken to a lot of people as well and also it's a great adventure story. It's, it's, it's that kind of that thing we'd all dream of, not doing it in the way that Ben Bradford does it because he has to um, run away for reasons I'm not going to explain for your readers who haven't read it, but also the idea that you can basically, you know, escaping and disappearing into the geographic void and changing. I think everyone has that dream, and uh, it spoke to that with, with most people. And also, among the books that you have published so far, big question, all the big questions, that particularly stands out as it could be considered somewhat of an autobiographical piece. It reveals uh, details of your private life. Why did you decide to write the book about that, and how much have your own experiences affected the choices of subject matters in your work? Um, I, I wanted to try something different. I didn't want to do a conventional memoir about, you know, growing up and the problems. I wanted to write something much philosophical. I'm interested in, in, in uh, philosophic thought and also how you can apply philosophy to life and hopefully make your life better along the way. Um, so I was interested in doing that. I, I also I wanted to look at things in my life, many of which have not been easy. But, you know, the, the truth of the matter is, 
I've never thought to myself, oh, poor me. I think I've had an absolutely remarkable life. My my parents were very unhappy. Um, I, I don't come from a lot of money, which is fine. In fact, that's probably a good thing, a positive thing. Uh, but I did have a, a, a nice life in New York, but the biggest problem were my parents were an extremely unhappy couple. And they fought all the time. And uh, they were very resentful, I think, of their eldest son because I was the eldest. I showed up. And I think also I started displaying very, uh, very kind of pronounced signs of independence and distance quite a while along. I think my other two brothers negotiated all that in a very different way. So there was a lot to deal with. And also in my own life, I've had a lot of complexity. Um, I had a very bad marriage um, to my first wife. My son has autism, although he's doing brilliantly and is in university now in the States. The fact of the matter is when you scratch anybody, everyone has had difficulty in life, you know. Um, I think my life has been probably more uh, blessed and original and interesting than most. Uh, yes, I've made it that way, uh, but, you know, I wouldn't trade any of it for a moment. But the thing is, it, it was interesting for me because I was, you know, getting older, and I, I wanted to look at basically the way adversity had shaped me. And adversity is very interesting. Everyone has adversity. Everyone has problems in their life. Everyone has a degree of tragedy that comes in. How you grapple with it is fascinating. And where it brings you is also fascinating. And it was it was the right moment to do this for me. Um, the fact of the matter is uh, I've rarely, outside of this book, which is nonfiction, written anything directly autobiographical. And yet, in all my books, I'm probably grappling all the time with autobiographical things. You wouldn't know what they are because you don't know me personally or intimately, um, but the people who do know me get and see what I'm doing with, with a lot that has happened to me. That's one of the very interesting things about writing. Even if it's bad, you can use it. You know, even if it's terrible, it's material. And also, I think one of the reasons why I call the book The Big Questions is I'm always grappling with questions in my head, uh, big questions, small questions, um, or even just things I have to do today. And basically, um, I think the role of the writer is to ask questions, but not to have answers, um, besides telling stories. And I think you can use, of course, everything from your background, um, but I do it in a very subtle way. Um, I've never written something, bar one short story of mine, that is a, a direct a reference to my own life. Um, and that's interesting as well. You take other people's stories, and yet you invest them with your own questions. They not, they, you know, the thing that people always ask, is that autobiographical, referencing the big picture? I never killed one of my ex-wife's lovers with a bottle of wine, for example. Um, question of basically getting, you know, trapped into a life that you don't want. My father was pushing me constantly to become a lawyer or a businessman, and I was just playing with that. How would this be if I, you know, if I had followed him? So I used that. Um, in The Woman in the Fifth, I was writing that book where I was suffering from insomnia because my marriage was falling apart. And I use that, the story, 
happened to me, thank God. But um, I was up very late at night often, and I was writing you know, half the night or wandering Paris. So I, that came into it, but I changed the story completely. It's the interesting thing about writing. Everything, everything that happens to you, you can use. You have also publicly criticized U.S. politics, saying the United States has contributed to the development of terrorist groups like Islamic State. Now, with the U.S. presidential election fast approaching, we would be curious, of course, if uh, there are any specific reasons why you, as an American novelist, uh, are open relatively about how you feel regarding U.S. politics. And also, have you thought of writing a novel on U.S. politics? Um, well, I did write one novel about politics, which is State of the Union, um, which is very much kind of a, a very political book. And I would think The Pursuit of Happiness in its own way is also a political book because it's very much about McCarthyite times and uh, the very conservative Eisenhower era. In terms of contemporary American politics, I lived out of America for 33 years, first in Dublin, then in London, and then I commuted between London and Paris. And also found a pied-à-terre in Berlin. What is interesting to me is um, the fact that I, I felt very drawn to come back home. I felt I had to come back, uh, that this is my country, and I didn't want to turn into a grizzled expatriate, you know, who was out of touch. So I returned, uh, which was a bit of a risk, but I, I felt I had to do it. Um, the fact of the matter is, if you're American... As I said before, everything that happens to you is material, but if you're an American, everything that happens here is also material. I think American writers, even when they're not directly writing about the country, are writing about the country and writing about the American kind of dilemma. Um, The fact is we are a country that where 20% of the population is very highly educated. That's about 70 million people. 50% are basically the struggling middle class, and 30% are crazy. Uh, there are a lot of crazy people out there. Uh, it's a very religious country, and yet it's also constitutionally a secular you know, country. Uh, the separation of church and state is very important, and yet um, the Republicans have managed to bring in a lot of very kind of conservative, socially conservative laws in the last year, a lot of which are tainted by kind of evangelical Christianity. I don't care what their religion, as long as they do not bring it into the general body politic and respect our constitution, which people have been trying to push back constantly. There's a huge cultural war here uh, in the United States. It's been building really since 1968, so it's been going on for over 50 years, and uh, or nearly 50 years, I should say. And basically, the divide is, is really very much about educated America versus, you know, what the French would call l'Amérique profonde, you know. And fundamentally, I think you actually, you know, have, we've had two presidents in the last 24 years who have been very educated, very intelligent, uh, very nuanced. I mean, I think Clinton was a very interesting politician. And I think Obama, although a lot of people criticize him, even on the left, I think has done very, very well in a very complicated situation. And he is a great leader as well. Uh, he's a very nuanced, quiet man. What's going on right now is you have 
uh, I, I am someone who is supporting um, Mrs. Clinton. I, I am supporting Hillary very much, naturally. Um, I think she's the only choice. I also think she will be very good at it. Uh, she's seasoned. She knows the world. She's very much a master of real politic. She's very educated. Uh, she does not have a common touch. Uh, I think a lot of people think, oh, she's old. Um, but look at the alternative. Trump is a plutocratic bully, a loudmouth. Uh, he is someone who is bossy. Uh, he has very little kind of knowledge of the world outside uh, of his kind of narrow business sphere. But he's someone who talks very loudly and who is very definitive about things. And unfortunately, that appeals to a, a certain corner of the American electorate. Uh, not all of it, but a certain quarter. I think it's going to be an extremely nasty campaign. Uh, I think it's going to kind of honestly kind of get a little psychotic. This, this is a man who has a lot of bad stuff in his past. I don't know if it will stick or not. He seems very good at deflecting it so far. Um, and the Democrats and Mrs. Clinton have to work out a way of taking this man on and, and basically showing him to be, frankly, the loudmouth and bully that he is. Uh, and someone who has no business being the head of, you know, the world's most powerful country. Um, is there a chance Trump could be elected president? Absolutely. And that makes me very nervous. And finally, could you give some advice to the aspiring writers and all your Korean fans out there? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think the one thing I would say is don't compromise yourself into a life you don't want, whatever the pressure is. And the most important thing to do in life is to make sure that it's interesting and you're actually having an interesting life. I mean, you know, this can mean many things. It can mean even having a conventional life, but as long as you keep things interesting, um, that actually um, will carry you along. I think curiosity is one of the most important things in, in the world. If you lose your curiosity, you lose your edge for living. So um, remain curious, remain interested. Uh, and also always remember you can change um, and change in the sense of you you don't have to accept what people tell you you need to do. Uh, you, 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 you do have possibilities. In fact, I think that's one of the things that I've noticed most about life is people put up walls around themselves and they create frontiers. But frankly, there is always the possibility to walk away. Um, and quite simply, keep it interesting. Well, we want to thank you once again, despite your busy schedule. Uh, certainly appreciate it. Uh, thank you once again for your time and your insights. A great pleasure, and thank you very much. It's early morning here, but I, I hope I was lucid. Okay, thank you. Thank you. That was Douglas Kennedy, author of The Big Picture. And we will be back in the second hour. Stay tuned. You're listening to Primetime.